This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes, sick Valentine's. Golly, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, now you sound like you actually mean it. I mean, I have a tie on this morning. That just... Yes, I'm taking my wife to Latitudes for lunch. So, yes, indeed. Yes, it's going to be a happy Valentine's Day. So, uh, what are we going to talk about between now and then? We just got done singing a song that says, God is mighty to save. And we're going to talk about some stuff today that... um, it's going to be important for us to be saved from. And uh, I, I know that right up front, I just want you to know that we're going to be talking about being unchained from the hurts of our lives. And I realize that um, that's something that's going to dredge up some emotion in probably all of us. Uh, some of us hopefully have moved past the hurts of our life. We're going to talk about an unhealthy way to do that and a healthy way to do that. Hopefully we've done it in a healthy way. And this sermon is going to bring to the surface basically a sense of gratitude. Just gratefulness that Christ came in and redeemed that part of our lives and changed it and made it good. And for some of us, it's going to dredge up some unsettled scores and some unresolved issues. And... um, Believe it or not, that's also good. It's not necessarily fun, but it's good. And we're going to give you some healthy ways to deal with that. But I just want to say right up front, in this portion, it's kind of a hole over there. Uh, When church is done, we're going to have prayer counselors up there. And uh, I know we had some people first service who came and took advantage of that. And if you want someone just to pray a prayer of gratitude over your life, that God's really helped you and moved you along, that's a great thing. If you want to go and say... You know, just pray that God would speak into my life this week so that I could learn how to, in a healthy way, release and cut loose the hurts of my life. Um, that's a wonderful place just to come and be prayed over. So I want to tell you that up front. It's on the back side of your notes as well. Uh, just when we get to the end of the service, when you read in that uh, shadow box there, it will also guide you there. So today we're talking about being un unchained from the hurts. I can't think of a sermon that has any broader application or more appropriate application than the concept of, of moving to a place of being unchained from our hurts. For those of you who are new to New Life, your very first time here, I want to say a welcome. We are honored that you have chosen to come to church here this morning. And trust that while you are here, that uh, something great is going to happen in your life. Not because, you know, we're going to give you 97 positive things to think about and you go out of here. And, you know, I heard something the other day. It's kind of the flip side of this. You know, eating healthy food doesn't actually help you live longer. It just makes it feel like life's longer. (laughs) That's why we're serving donuts for missions. (laughs) Now, well, if you just flip that over, I, 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 I just want you, I want you to know and understand um, 
that when you come to church, we don't just go through the motions. We actually learn in this church every Sunday very practical ways that will help us live in such a way that life is a good experience, not because we're sort of faking ourselves into it, but there's a real substance that actually will help you change your life. And that substance doesn't come from me. This is not my message to you. This is God's message to you. It comes from His Word. It comes from principles in the Bible. I would never be smart enough or clever enough to figure out these things on my own. They are His eternal truths. And it's just my joy and my privilege to get to help you understand them and put them to use in your life and in mine. To help you with that, on the inside of your program, there's a page of fill-in-the-blank notes. You look around, your neighbor probably already has theirs out. Virtually everyone that comes to church here fills in the blanks and oftentimes goes home and reads through it again. And let me give you one other tool, because you may want to listen to this sermon again later on in the week. Um, If you want to, go straight to our website. It's on the back uh, page at the bottom, I believe. The web, web address is go to the website, uh, click on the, the button that says Message Podcasts, and it will bring up a series of dates. If you double-click on today's date, which is February the 14th, 2010, um, and wait about 30 seconds, I will start talking to you right from your computer. So there you go, um, a resource, resource for you. I realize that for all of us, we all had a first time when we walked into this church. When you walk into a church and you see a couple hundred adults sitting in an auditorium, you look around and all of us look pretty normal. And uh, so it's pretty easy to look at all of us and think, by golly, I'm sitting in the middle of a group of people who have it together. And you can look at us and you can think something even more. Not only do these people look like they have it together, they sort of look like they've always had it together. I'm not sure anybody's gone through sort of what I'm going through. The truth is, everybody sitting in the audience this morning has a story, and somewhere along that trail of their life, there are some significant hurts. No one gets through life without them. Okay? And yet, because we don't know what their hurts are, we assume they probably don't have any, or if they have any, They probably couldn't relate to mine. And yet, sitting through the audience are people with stories, probably, that are just like yours. So I was praying about this message. God says, I want you to have somebody come up and tell their story. Okay, God, I'm cool with that. Who do you want? He he just starts laying this couple on my mind. And I God, I don't know their story. And he goes, I know you don't. Go find it out. So I went and found it out. And so I want you to welcome with me to the stage, if you would, Patrick and Nadia Ibanez. Morning, guys. Morning. Hello. So welcome to Church Two. Thank you. Yes. And uh, so let's go back and recapitulate a little bit. Um, How long have you guys been coming to New Life? We've been coming to New Life for about six years, and it started um, uh, about six years ago. We were going to church in Novato, a, a wonderful church, but after a while, the commute was just like going to Novato, spending all day there, and so we started, search, I started searching for a church home here in Petaluma. So I first started coming alone, and I always sat in the back right, 
And um, now we sit in the front left when we come to church. So we've moved forward in six years, and that's been kind of good. And then after about um, maybe two months, Patrick started coming. And Okay, so you've been coming six or seven years. So you started in an old building, and you're obviously we're now in the new building. Mm-hmm. So what I know that you guys do things in the church, and I know a number of them, but help our audience. What do you guys do in the church? Well, I helped... Um paint the church, and we also have a, we belong to a recovery group on Wednesday evenings, and um, which has really opened up our marriage, and uh, it's helped out um, immensely, and I can't tell anybody, don't, you really need to go to a a life group, because it just opens everything up. That's Very good. Nice. So you're going to a recovery group and it helped you with your marriage. I, I'm mm-hmm. putting those together. You're recovering from marriage. How's that work? <laughs> don't you don't know how to answer that, do you? <laughs> no, that's great. That's one of the things about life groups here. No matter what you go to, so you, and you guys are actually part of the leadership team for the Phoenix Healing and Recovery Group, correct? Yes, right. and that yeah. came as quite a surprise. And I think for us because we do have a healthy marriage and a, and a good marriage, and I think God has totally blessed us that way. Um, we also help with ushering on Sundays for first service. Awesome. So now, as I look at you, you look like life is great, probably always mm-hmm. been great, and so forth. Uh, but as you began to unfold your story to me, I realized that there was a trail that led you to the place where you are today. So Nadia, let's, let's begin with you and bring us up to speed about that trail. Okay. It's into our hurts. I think the first, um, the first big major hurt for me was when I um, married um, my first husband. I was 21 years old. He, he um, swooned me, and we took off to Alaska to live, leaving my family here. And I, um, when I first met him, we did, he was a Christian man, and we did church. We moved to Alaska, found a great church up there, went to church twice a week, did Bible study, and... Um, Within um, two months after our marriage, he got cancer, and that was all well and good. But along with that, I also got pregnant and um, had a baby. And as our marriage progressed, he had anger issues and rage that was never really um, um, dealt with, I think, in his personal life with God. Although he was healed from cancer, he still had a lot of rage and anger, and there were so many times I was physically abused, mentally abused, and emotionally abused. And there came a time, um, five years um, into our marriage, my daughter was a year old at that time, that the abuse became so critical that I had to walk away from that marriage, although, you know, even though he was, um, we did church, it, it didn't work for us. So I stepped away from that marriage with just a suitcase and my wallet, my daughter, came home to California and um, proceeded to, to take my life as a single mom. Um, raised my daughter for 10 years as a single mom, and the year my mom died um, in January, I felt that, wow, okay, well, this is a big loss. She left uh, me and my 10 siblings motherless, and that was sort of a hard thing to deal with because she was a caregiver of my daughter. And so when uh, my second husband kind of came into the picture, was kind of like, wow, maybe this was what was supposed to be. He also went to church, and we um, walked a path of, of Christian 
a Christian walk and went to um, church, had a church wedding. And um, through that, what didn't show for him until we were married again was he had some very strong addiction issues to pornography, to drugs, and to alcohol. So that, again, was posing another chaos to a marriage. We did belong to a marriage life group. We had couples that we were in a life group with at that time. We were doing Christian retreats together and working retreats. But while I was working a retreat, he was off. Um, picking up prostitutes in the city. So when I came back, the hurts were so unbearable at that time. Also, during that marriage, we were married um, five years, I had three pregnancies. Two of them were missed pregnancies. The third time I got pregnant, I was like, God, this can't happen. I can't do this. My marriage is in chaos. My life is in in crisis. My teenage daughter is acting out, and she was in, in crisis so I called the, the clinic to terminate that pregnancy because that was the only thing I thought I could do. But the nurse that answered the phone was the my prayer partner on my retreat that I had just gone to. So I knew God was totally shaking my tree and saying, mm-mm, ain't going to happen, I'm, I'm here. So I, I accepted that pregnancy in faith, and that was 19 years ago that my son Anthony was born, and he is truly a gift and a treasure to me and and to the relationship. Right around the time I had to walk away from that marriage also, and I was like, okay, God, this is two strikes. This is really not working for me. And um, kept faith. Within a month after I ended that that relationship, my daughter chose to walk away from the family again as a um, 17-year-old. She stepped out of the house for a while. And I had a one-year-old, and I had a high-pressure job, and I was just praying and praying. But through all that crisis and all that um, drama that we were in, God still loved me and blessed me and led me through the results of my daughter leaving home into Patrick. Um, And that's a whole different story. But we connected because of my daughter's um, crisis and because I, I really truly believe I was faithful to God just to help me through it. And that was um, 18 years ago. And on Thursday, we celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. So, Patrick, I know that there was a a period, a a one-year period of your life that uh, probably would have been enough to sink most of our boats. Why don't you share us? Share with us a little bit about that. Well, at first it starts out that I was um, raised traditionally Catholic, so that already says that I have some chains. And um, <laughs> it, uh, in, I was in, in Vietnam, and I had talked to um, God quite a bit, and I had asked him to please get me out of this situation, and I will follow you forever, I'm sure a lot of people have done that and of course for a little while I stayed with the church and uh, but then I strayed and then I had met my um, first wife and she had uh, two sons six and seven and she had come from an abusive um, relationship um, and alcoholic and so she's kind of switching that into another I had a problem with alcohol too and then uh, 
we got married, and we were going along fine. In 1972, I got picked up for a DUI, and uh, right then she drew the line. She says, either me or uh, the alcohol, or you have to make the decision. So I asked God, and he kind of led me in the right way. I finally listened to him a little bit. And uh, so um, that was in 72. And then in, um, we kept on, um, kept married and all that. And then in 85, my uh, stepson had gotten married. And uh, he was having a little trouble with cocaine. And his new wife was having trouble with cocaine. So I guess they kind of combined together. And um, so they were having a problem, so my wife and I moved in with them, and we lived with them for a couple of years. And then uh, my wife got sick and heart trouble, and she passed away. And then a week later, my stepson's wife, uh, who was having trouble with drugs and all, just everything combined, because my wife was pretty much doing all the work, she she took off. She left the two little little girls, oh maybe three and one, with us. So there I am with uh, the stepson who's doing the cocaine, and the grandkids. So there there God just says you just gotta you gotta do it. You picked it. Your your choice to have that. So you got to take care of it. So I did, and. Um, then in uh, Nadia and I had met, she um, was having trouble and everything, and I got along with her, her daughter good and everything. So then we finally hooked up, and we married, and uh, we've been happy ever since. And uh, I haven't, still haven't drank, and it's been 38 years. And I think... Uh, I. Th I think I finally, I have finally grown up, and I've uh, <clears throat> let God do it. Let go and let God. You know, mm -hmm. just it's it just makes so much sense, and it's so much easier. And our marriage is better for it. There's new life here. We just we love it. It's like a second home. I love Pastor Ron and all the other pastors. We can uh, we come here and we hear a message, and it's just so plain. It's just I can understand it. It's nothing traditional about some religions and it, it, we really enjoy it. So in one year and I know there was one other little detail in there in one year you lost your wife your your stepson's wife left you with two small children for you to raise and now you have no wife to help you with that mm -hmm. and it was what just a few months later and your mother died. Oh, my mother died. Yeah. Your mother died so and all that in one year mm -hmm. and yet in spite of all that you said no I'm not going I'm not going back to self-medicate I'm mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing the right thing. So, mm -hmm. Now, I know you guys have been here six or seven years, and I know that you've told me. So um, other than helping you in your marriage, how has New Life helped you, let's say, in terms of your own personal relationship with God? I think um, it has drawn us closer and um, absolutely to each other as well as to God. We faithfully pray every prayer journey that we that new life has their 21 day prayers we've prayed faithfully through those 
we tithe faithfully, we um, come to church faithfully, and I think God has honored us for that. I certainly know he's forgiven me and honored me and blessed me with two amazing children, great-grandchildren, an amazing husband, and just our walk here. We have great friends here, and um, just I, I just know that I've been forgiven, and there was a life verse I mentioned earlier that I really live by, which is Jeremiah 29, 11, and I've never memorized verses, but this one spoke to me, and it's, I know the plans I have for you, and they're plans for peace, not disaster, reserving a future full of hope, and to me, that is my life verse. Let me say a prayer with you. Father, thank you for that verse. That is such a powerful verse that you have plans for Patrick and Nadia. And thank you that even long before they realized you had plans for them, you did. And you worked the events of their lives so that they could be where they are today. Loving life, enjoying life, being blessed by you and blessing other people in the process. Thank you for the amazing transformation that's in their lives. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would enable the rest of us to be just as transformed, just as tied into your plans. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you both very, very much. Wow. Let's talk about Hurts for a little bit. Let me get, this whole sermon series is based on four verses of Scripture. For those of you who are new, again, this, this sermon series is called Unchained. And we're looking at five different things that tend to weight us down in life. And it's all based out of this passage. It's our focus teaching. Take a look at the video screens. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight and this, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects or finishes or completes our faith. Now, notice the next verse. Because of the joy awaiting him. Is that a past, present, or future thing? Future. You sure of that? Yeah, okay. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't be weary and give up. Now in that passage, the author points to a couple of obstacles in the race of life. He talks about weights and he talks about sin. And so let me give you a couple of observations. The weights that he talks about that we need to strip off and let go of and release. The weights are things that are the inescapable experiences of our lives that impede our progress. I was watching the Olympics last night, specifically the, the uh, speed skating. And there was a 5,000 meter uh, medal round and, and boy, those guys... They're wearing skin-tight suits, and they got every possible weight off, and their skates don't weigh very much. And I, Why? Because as little weight as possible. That's the deal. But weights are inescapable experiences. 
You know, they're not things you ask for, you just encounter them. If you had interviewed Nadia on her wedding day of her first wedding, she's all excited to get married. She has no idea that the guy who's standing beside her is going to abuse her and abuse her children. If she had, she wouldn't be marrying him, right? That wasn't a choice she made. She didn't say, you know, Pastor, nice looking. He beats up on me, but I'm okay with that. No. That, that stuff didn't surface till later. She didn't choose that. But certainly was something she encountered in life. Second thing I want you to know, the sin. Sins are destructive choices that we make in life. The difference between a weight and a sin, a weight is something we didn't choose and therefore we're not responsible for. Sins are things that we choose that are destructive in our lives. And we are responsible for them. And then the third principle is this. The weights will slow us down in life, definitely impede our progress. But the sins will take us out of the race. They'll, they'll just do us in. Okay? So with that as a background, let's take a look at the weight of hurt, this inescapable experience that we all have in life. Now, I want you to know that we all have this thing kind of hardwired in us, that if I'm living right and doing the right things, nothing bad should happen to me, correct? Now, we don't very often say that out loud, but what we do say tells us that we believe it. For instance, we're going along in life and we encounter a major hurt, some major thing that really hurts us and sets us back. And see if you can finish this question. Why? Oh, you've asked that before, huh? And if there's an explanation that goes after the why me, what is it? I'm just going along, minding my own business, doing the right things in life, and bam, I get in. Why me? I don't deserve this. Because we all have this thing in us that says, if I'm doing what's right, I should never get hurt. Well, I kind of put that to the test, and I thought, has there ever been anybody who's done everything right? And was there? Yeah, what was his name? Yeah, if you're ever unsure when the pastor says, just say Jesus, it'll be the right answer, right? So Jesus did everything right, and that means he never encountered any hurts, right? No, no. In fact, take a look at what Jesus said in the last meal he was ever going to eat with his 12 closest followers before his death. He said, here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will what? Wow. Hundreds of years prior to that, David prophesied about that and wrote, even my best friend. The one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Don't very often ask you to raise your hand in church. But how many of you have ever felt like you've been deeply hurt by a close friend? Common experience of life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. These are things that we don't deserve. I want to teach you five things about hurts. And they're all very, very important. Number one, hurts tend to arise out of a sense of injustice. Did Jesus deserve to be betrayed? No, he didn't deserve to be betrayed. Does anyone ever deserve to be abused? No one ever deserves to be abused. Does does anyone ever deserve to be, let's say, have a hit and run accident? No, no one ever deserves. I mean, the list just goes on and on. There's this sense of injustice. I've received something. Now, if I'm being stupid and I get hurt, I might not like it, but at least I know what? I asked for it, correct? But it's the things that I don't feel like I asked for and don't deserve. 
that tend to be the real hurts that I carry in life. Just think with me for a minute. I'm going to pull over to the side of the road and have you take just a short inventory. Because there's probably some things that have already come to your mind as I've talked. And you thought, yep, I got those. If you would, just write down one word for each one of the hurts that just popped into your mind. Because those would be things that you probably need to process later on in the sermon and later on this week. So I'll give you just a minute to do that. Just writing down one word for each of those things that jumped into your mind. Now, if that's where the message stopped, it wouldn't be a whole lot of fun, would it? No, but there's, there's, there's some other things you need to know that are actually good. For, for instance, principle number two is this. Most hurts can and should be stopped. There's an important reason for that. If someone is inflicting hurt in your life, it's not your God-given responsibility to be the whipping post for anybody. I want you to think about this for a minute. Other than the day of Jesus' crucifixion, when he voluntarily took the punishment for my sin and for yours, Jesus never allowed anyone to abuse him, ever. That's not okay. Nadia finally came to a place where she realized, I have to stop the hurt in my life and in my child's life. Okay? That doesn't necessarily mean that the first thing you do is find the person who's hurting you and punt them into the next county. All right? There are some healthy ways to set boundaries and to deal with that. And if you have questions about that, then you come in and talk to a pastoral staff member, and we will give you some counsel about how to make that happen. But I want you to understand it's not okay, it's not God's plan for you to just stay and continually be hurt by the same person or the same people. Okay? Most hurts can and should be stopped. Principle number three is this. Hurts can only be released through forgiveness. I want you to read that out loud with me, would you please? Ready? Let's read. Hurts can only be released through forgiveness. Through what? That's so important. That's the only way. Now, right away, when I talk about forgiveness, see if you can finish this statement. Forgive and... Did you know that's a lie? I don't know who came up with that, but he ought to be shot. Okay, that's bad for a pastor to say, right? Maybe I should forgive him. (laughs) Maybe is that how that works? Okay, whoever said that needs to be forgiven, all right? Because it's just not true. You know, if someone has hurt you and hurt you deeply, when someone comes along and brings up the subject, you go, by golly, I had forgotten all about that. That did happen to me. No. Think about this. If you could actually forget what happened to you, would you need to forgive? No, you forgot it. The reason that you do need to forgive, friends, is because you can't actually forget. It's always there. So, why forgive? Well, right away, I want you to understand there's a difference between forgiveness and denial. Because what a lot of people think is forgiveness is actually denial, and they try it, and that doesn't work. 
So let's take a look at three differences between forgiveness and denial. First one is denial pretends that the event actually never took place. I sat with a lady who really, really badly wanted me to have her husband in church leadership, forgetting that she had previously told me in that conversation that earlier that week, and I apologize for the language, I'm giving it to you just as she gave it to me, her husband called her a bitch and a whore. Someone is living in denial, pretending that that sort of abuse never happened, friend. That's not forgiveness. That's denial. And denial will never get you well. Never get you well in any context. Okay? What about forgiveness? Well, forgiveness releases me. It acknowledges the hurt, but it releases me from having to hold the other person accountable for their wrong behavior. I want you to think about here. Here's a short note you can put in the margin. Forgiveness releases me from having to keep score. Right? And right away, people say to me, Pastor, why do I have to forgive somebody? Doesn't that let them off the hook? And the real answer is, in some ways, yes. (laughs) Do you realize until you forgive someone who hurt you, you're dragging them around in your life? You can't ever, you really want them with you all of your life? Do you realize that once you forgive them, you cut them free? And now you are free? By the way, can you actually, does it actually let them off the hook? No, last time I checked, there's still a God in heaven, right? Yeah, the last time I checked. You know, we'll talk about that in a minute. But what it does, see the two words, forgiveness, what's the next two words? Are you sure? Let's read them again. Forgiveness, what? I want you to circle the words, releases me. That's the principal reason you should forgive. It releases you. Releases you from having to keep score. The second thing it does is this. Forgiveness also releases me to experience healing. Is that a good thing? Oh, that's what we want, to experience healing and to what? Explore new horizons in my life. You know, friends, if you're trying to flap your wings and fly and you're carrying around all the hurts that have ever happened to you in life, are you ever getting off the ground? No. One time I flew an international air carrier, which will rename nameless, but I was going to a third world country and... Um, of course, when you're in the United States of America, they're subject to all the FAA regulations. So we flew out of New York City, and we flew into Frankfurt, Germany, and headed to our long-term destination. But once we were in Frankfurt, Germany, we were no longer under FAA regulations in the United States. And so they brought in all of these people, and they brought in all of their baggage. And the hold, the baggage compartment, was all full. And so they started stacking bags in the back of of the airplane and up around the bulkhead door. I mean, if we had to get out, there's no way we could have gotten out. There were bags piled floor to ceiling throughout that entire aircraft. I was on a mission trip saying, oh God, I'm doing your work. 
And they got that plane all the way to the back of the runway. And they put the hammer down. And it was like... And I was thinking, we're going to taxi all the way there. We are never getting this thing off of the ground, right? And it finally made its way off of the ground. I just wonder how many people go through life and their heart, their soul is just stacked with hurts. And they got the hammer down, but that bird's not flying very high. Okay? Forgiveness releases me so that I can experience healing and I can explore new horizons in my life. I want you to write down these two little phrases uh, somewhere in the margin. Travel light. Okay? Forgiveness enables me to travel light. I don't have to carry anything with me. And the, se- and, and the second little phrase is soar to new heights. Forgiveness enables me to soar. I've cut loose the stuff that holds me back. It enables me to soar, and I've noticed this in life. The higher I get in life, the view gets better. Beautiful vistas. Okay? Principle number four. Some scores are better left unsettled. Okay? A man's wisdom gives him patience. It, it is to his glory to overlook an offense. You know, if you have to settle every score in life, you'll never fly. You're too busy keeping score. So most of the things in life that happen to you, just let it go. It's not important that someone stepped on your toe and didn't notice. Or even if they did notice, it's still not important. You have better things to do in life than get upset. It's not important that you're driving down the road and the guy in front of you did not use his blinker and cut you off because he wanted to get off on the exit. Is that actually worth carrying the rest of the day? No. Let let it go. Have some patience. Let it go. There are some things that are too big. they, They just hurt too deeply. All right? And that's principle number five. Here it is. The other scores are better left for whom? For God to settle. When you forgive, it doesn't mean you let the person off the hook. It means you transfer it to God. Say, God, I no longer consider this person accountable to me. It's no longer my job to keep score and make sure that they get everything they deserve in life. It's my job to release them to you. And if they never have to pay for what they've done to me in this life, that's your business. That's not mine. Okay? I got enough of my own stuff. So as the Bible say, dear friends, never take revenge, but rather leave that to the righteous, what? Anger of God. And that moves us into the second part, which will be a little bit shorter. And that is, let's talk about what's the real danger of hurts. It's not just that they hurt us and they slow us down in the race of life, but the real danger of hurts is the fact that they open us up to three very specific sins. And these are the things that will take us out of the race. And what are they? Resentment, anger, and bitterness. So let's deal with those one at a time. Okay, let's talk about resentment. The reason that, that hurts open us up to resentment is because when we get hurt, none of us goes, man, that was fun. I'd like to have more of that. Right? The reason we call it a hurt is because we didn't like it. Okay? And so the fact that we don't like it opens us up to resentment. But I want to tell you the big problem with resentment, and it's here in the key understanding resentment traps me. I want you to circle the word traps me. What were the words we circled earlier? Forgiveness releases me. Resentment 
traps me. Why? How? By focusing my attention on the unchangeable events of my past. Let's just suppose you had a terrible childhood, and now as an adult, you really resent the fact that other people had a good childhood, and you didn't have a good childhood, and you're just resenting that, and you're resenting that. How long do you have to resent that before your childhood now changes and becomes good? No, you're just trapped in your past. But no matter how much you think about it, it's never going to change. It's done. And that's the real problem with resentment. That's why it becomes destructive. It traps us in our past. Let's talk about anger. The good news about anger is unlike resentment, which doesn't do anything, anger moves me to take action. That's the good news. What's the bad news? It's usually the wrong action. And that's the real problem with anger. There's a verse in the Bible that says that the anger of man does not bring about the righteous results that God desires. Now, in the verse I just read to you, never take revenge, but it says to what? Turn that over. Let God handle that. Turn that over to God. To God's what? Righteous anger. Someone helped me out after the first service and said, God's, God's anger is righteous. Ours is usually just self-righteous. And that's the problem. Our anger is usually selfish. And it doesn't lead us to good results. It doesn't get us where God really wants us to go. Here's the real problem with anger. Take a look at the key understanding. Anger traps me by what? Bringing the unpleasant events of my past where? And resentment traps me in the past Anger brings the past into the present and causes me to take action against people for things that took place in my past. And I don't have time to show you how all of that works, but I can tell you that anger drags the past into the present. What about bitterness? Well, bitterness drives the hurt into my soul. We all know bitter people, right? Do you know bitter people? Some of you look at them every morning in the mirror. We all know bitter people. You know the worst thing about bitter? I was watching the Charlie Brown Valentine special the other day. and it, Okay, that'll tell you I have grandkids, right? Either that or I am a grandkid. Okay, maybe all of the above, all right? So I'm sitting with my three grandchildren. We're watching the Charlie Brown special. And they're at the Valentine's dance. And, of course, Snoopy is having a great time, right? And Charlie Brown never can dance with anybody. Guess who comes to the dance? Pigpen. And he starts dancing and there's a cloud of dust. (laughs) Everybody's coughing and that's the end of the dance. Do you know any people like Pigpen? I'm not talking about physically dirty. I'm talking about bitter. Everywhere they go, it's the end of the party. Why? They bring this heaviness with them. Here's the key understanding about bitterness. Bitterness traps me by overlaying my future with the hurtful events of my past. You know, bitterness will drive that hurt so deep into your life, it becomes your identity, and you can't escape it. I'm Ron, the guy who was abused by his parents. I'm Ron, the guy who was married to this jerk of a wife. I'm Ron, and and it just gets driven deep into our soul. Why? Because we're bitter. I'm the guy whose wife left him with three preschool children 
And my life's never been the same since. Ever heard anybody say anything like that? Yeah. Their future is colored by the terrible things of their past. Notice what God says. Ephesians chapter 4. Get rid of, what's the next word? All. Circle that word. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Why? Because you want to be open. Until you're willing to get rid of that stuff, you can't do the rest. And what's the rest? Instead, be kind. Don't you like to be kind? Feels so good to be kind. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God through Christ has forgiven so there you have it let me give you some closing thoughts that will help us process all of this remember last week we had the we had the road with two paths well we're going to go back to that okay so we're down here we're traveling through life and what do we encounter well like everybody else we encounter hurt And the question is, what are we going to do with it? We get to a fork in the road, and we've only got two choices. We can either carry the hurt, or we can release it. If we decide to carry it, oh, no, no, no. That person did something to me, and I'm not going to relax until they get paid back. And I'll try to pay them back, and I don't okay. Well, the first thing you're going to get is you're going to get resentment. Next thing you're going to get is you're going to get angry. And the third thing you get is you're going to get bitter. We've already followed that path. That's exactly how it leads. If you allow enough resentment in your life, it will lead you to a point of anger. If you allow enough resentment and anger in your life, it will lead you to a point of bitterness. That's just exact. That's how life works. But let's suppose for a minute that you decide to take the other route. Because we said the only way to release a hurt in life is how? You remember that? Through... Let's say it together. Through what? Forgiveness. So that's the first thing we encounter at this fork in the road. And that is, I can either be resentful or I can forgive. If I decide to forgive, then what lies on the other side of forgiveness? Peace. Because once I've decided to unchain myself from what that person did to me and no longer find my identity in it and no longer find resentment and anger and all that stuff, I just cut it away. I forgive that person. I release them. I say, God, they're your business now. They're not my business. I'm going on with my life. I have this amazing sense of peace that comes into my life. And what lies on the other side of that peace? Freedom. Which is exactly why this all leads to entrapment and bondage. And this all leads to freedom in in not being trapped any longer. Now, one other tiny pitfall. No, it's a big pitfall. As a pastor, I run into people who have experienced great hurt in life. And what happens is they find out, oh, they hear a sermon on resentment. They go, I'm resentful. I got to repent of that. I'm I'm angry. Ooh, I got to repent of that. I'm bitter. I've got to repent of that. Friends, you can repent of all of these all day long and do it every day and it will do you no good until you do this. You know why? 
Because if I repent of being angry, but I don't forgive the person who hurt me, it's not going to be long until I'm what? Angry again. Because I've never dealt with what took place over here. So the way, that, the way to freedom is you travel back down the road, you get to this point of forgiveness, and you forgive, honestly forgive, and, and then you're free to repent of being resentful, angry, or bitter. And you can move down this road to peace and freedom. There's a prayer on the video screens. And uh, as we've done the last two Sundays, I want you to read through the prayer. And if you're ready to pray the prayer and you really want to, to, make, to go down the right path, okay, then we give you the opportunity to pray the prayer out loud with me in a minute or so. It's on the screens, so you can read it all, so you don't have to start reading and think, golly, I hope this ends where I want it to end because I'm, I'm you know, traveling in faith with the pastor. It's all up there, so read every word of it, and then I'll give you the opportunity uh, to pray it with me in a minute. Okay. If you're ready to pray, then let's pray. Loving Father, thank you for helping me take an honest inventory of my heart. I now see that release and freedom are only possible through forgiveness. I know you already provided the resources I need to forgive. So I ask you to help me tap into them. I want to release this weight and become unchained from every hurtful event of my life. I want to let them fall away so I can travel light in this life and soar to the full heights you have reserved for me. I ask this day in the name of Jesus, who has released me from my sins. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.